Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I've got another Matt and Matt show for you today. That's Matt Fonslow and Matthew Scundrich. Uh, of course, you know both of them. They've been on here quite a bit. Um, we're going to cover uh, just about everything today. <laughs> um, we're going to dive into a vision that's coming up this spring. Both Matt's are presenting key classes. Uh, we'll talk about tech talks a little bit. Um, how do you pick classes, you know, how do you choose which classes that you want to take when you go to an event like Vision where all of them seem like something that you want to go uh, invest your time in? How do you pick between the classes that you're actually going to attend? Uh, what's the differences between the key classes that uh, both Matt's are going to be presenting? Um, we're going to dive into some electrical theory, uh, which is actually a continuation of a discussion that we had on Matt Fonslow's show, which I encourage you to check out. I believe the first portion of our discussion on this uh, will be released this week on his show, Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. So check that out, and that will kind of lead us into what we're talking about today as far as electrical theory, ignition coil operation, um, Kind of uh, heavier stuff, but I find it very interesting. Uh, and of course, it gets us into uh, physics and we talk about magnetism and gravity, or I should say Matt talks about <laughs> magnetism and gravity. And uh, there's uh, smoke coming out of my ears at, the, at some points during the podcast. And uh, we <laughs> go into all kinds of other things like cryptocurrency and electric EV vehicles and even hard rock metal bands. So no matter what your interest, you probably get something out of this episode. With that being said, let's jump in. So what's going on, guys? How you doing? Uh, I have 400 projects going, and it seems like no time to do them. I know what that's like. And going to Apex did not help that situation <laughs> at all. None. How was that, by the way? You're going to laugh. I thought Apex was kind of interesting. Um, I've never been. So, like, I'm expecting so many people. It's like Disney World sold out on Christmas, right? Just jam-packed. Vegas. Falls to the wall. And I spent the entire day Friday hanging out with Scott Shotton in the Top Don booth, getting tips on how to teach a class. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like, it, according to like him and or not him, but Eric Ziegler and a couple like Carlos Menchu and a couple other people, they were like, "This is a ghost town of a show." Huh. So, I found I found SEMA, and and I'm gonna get dogged for this. I found SEMA just horrible. Um, I don't enjoy watching, like, I have a big problem with the way 
and I shouldn't, but I do. I have a problem with the way some companies just piss money away like it's water. Like they had a 2022 Ford Bronco there that had four wheel drive. It was all wheel drive and it had tracks, right? Like tracks to go through snow. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Is that like an option we can buy? Oh, no. we just That's standard on cars up here in Minnesota. (laughs) They're like, oh, we spent like $7 million developing this all-wheel drive track system just because we can. And I'm like, you know, you you spent $7 million. No wonder why my Ford Explorer is $60,000. You pissed away $7 million (laughs) of profit on something to bring to SEMA you're going to crush in a week. So... I, I mean, I get it. It's their money. They can do what they want with it. But still, I'm like, that's what we're putting money into? Like, really? Tracks for something you're not even going to develop? And then you walk over and they had this, like, GM was just as bad. They had this all-terrain suburban that was like a zombie apocalypse thing. It was the coolest looking suburban I'd seen ever. And I was like, oh, is that like a body upgrade we can buy? Like, Because, you know, GM will do like a kit car. Like they have the GM supercar kit you can buy. And it goes on a Corvette chassis, which they actually have updated now for the C8 Corvette. And I was like, oh, can you buy that? And they're like, oh, no, that's just like a one-off prototype. We just kind of made it for SEMA. We were bored. But, I mean, it was like three sixteenths plate steel <laughs> all stamped and i'm like that wasn't cheap or you know it's just like i, I don't know i i just watched the money get wasted and I, i'm just like really we could do so much with this money like we could really help our industry out but no we're wasting millions of dollars building a custom car to never drive it or do anything with it so i get annoyed so i i've never been to either one of them and Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're like across the street from each other or both in Vegas. No, no. I learned that lesson the hard way. Uh Uh-uh, son. Mm -mm. So Apex was in the, uh, I don't know, some weird hotel convention center. Uh, It's in the sands, the Venetian. Yeah, the Venetian. That's right. Because there's all these like, please don't bring a gun in here. If you have a gun, please uh, contact security and they will be glad to hold your gun for you signs. Like, but it's funny because it's like on the bottom of the door. And so I'm like, man, you'd like never see that if you weren't really paying attention. Um, but it's at the Venetian, and then SEMA's at the Las Vegas Convention Center, which is like there's buses all like every hotel has a bus that you can pretty much take to the convention center. But it's a good it's a good like four mile walk if you're gonna walk. Oh damn, in. okay. You just take the Tesla tunnel. <laughs> Dude, that Tesla tunnel was cool at the convention center. I enjoyed that. That was fun. But so Apex is a tool show where basically big, big tool companies have a booth and they show off their product and then people can go, oh, yeah, that'd be a good product to sell. Or if they've ever had questions, they can ask questions about your product. So I was there with Top Don as like a technical advisor if somebody had like a hard question. And I realized that the questions they asked were not what I'm used to. Like I'm used to working a booth and having it at a, like an automotive sure. tech show. Right. So ASTE, uh, vision, you know, one of them type shows where like Fanslow is going to come up and be like, so what's the, uh, maximum AC ripple going out of your, uh, new battery charger at five amps and a hundred amps. Cause I need to know because I'm doing a BMW. And if I buy this, da, da, da. I mean, uh, these questions were, how easy is it to work? How do I sell it? And, you know, I, I mean, it was stuff that I'm just like, uh, what? Huh? Oh, that's all you want to know. 
Like, I had one guy, I gave him, like, a whole spiel, and he, he's like, well, what's my cost? What's availability? What's this? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, what kind of good are you? And I'm like, dude, I'm the tech guy. Like, I can tell you more specs than you can shake a stick at. You want to know the price? Here's my buddy, Chad. Chad, help him out. <laughs> so it was, it was an, it was eye-opening to see, like, the sales world sure. in that aspect, if that makes sense. Because I didn't realize how much knowledge those guys carry on products, right? Because they were coming to the top down booth to learn about all their current scanners, their next generation scanners coming out. But then they were doing the same thing at Autel. They were then going around and learning about all these other tools that were out. And I mean, you you just don't realize the amount of product yeah. that's out there. I mean, oh, it's insane to walk around and look at the tools coming out. I mean... I used to think my van was expensive. I bet you at the bottom, the the basement level, there was probably $20 million of tools. Yeah. At cost, $20 million just laid out. And it was it was really interesting to walk around and talk to people. And, I mean, all kinds of tool demos and softwares. You know, they had all kinds of shopware there. I've never seen so many shop shop systems, shop management systems, invoicing system. Uh, text messaging system. Like I really got to find out a lot about auto text me. That was kind of cool. I was going to ask you, like, I mean, I heard about some of the top down stuff, but was there anything you saw or looked at that you're excited about or interested in? Not really. I mean, the, I really, I'll be honest. I did not walk around apex much. The little bit I did walk around, it was like, eh, I think 2020 was kind of a dud year for development, to be honest with you. So there was no big reveals. Um, Well, and a lot of the big reveals, they just don't save them for Apex anymore or SEMA. That used to be where they did it. Now I don't, you know, with the internet, social media. Also launched their Ultra, what, two years ago at Apex. I mean, that was when they revealed it. Yeah, but I think we all kind of knew about the alignment system before Apex. They had it there on display. You could see yeah. it, touch it. Yeah, you could see um, it, touch it, lick it. Um, yep. Autel kind of had. I, I haven't seen it, but I wasn't looking for it. Looks like Autel has a um, uh, key tool that's very. Uh, oh, looks it's very reminiscent of a uh, VVDI key tool max or X. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, X horse mm-hmm. key tool max. Yeah, it's the KM one hundred. Yeah, and I think Autel's coming out with their own. Uh, at least it looks initially like uh, a, a batch their own, of their own proximity keys. Yeah, they'll have their own keys that work with the key tool just like X-Horse does. I did – okay, so I spent a lot of time in the Autel booth, but it's mostly because I'm friends with a lot of them guys, right? Like yeah. I know I know Chloe and I went off and I Well, they pot. had multiple booths, right? They, they had, had five? Five. <laughs> five. Five, okay. Wow. So, yeah. Well, they, had, they had three at Apex and two at okay. SEMA, yeah. if I remember right. Or maybe it was four and one. I, I can't quite remember. But, yeah, it was it was a ridiculous amount of people there. But, I mean, anybody I knew at Altel ever was there. And so it was like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, the, the fun part was, was I brought my wife with me because we went to the Green Canyon in the Hoover Dam before, which, honestly, if you're going to Vegas and you don't go to them too, you just wasted a trip because – I don't care what you've seen in pictures. When you get to the Grand Canyon, you're like, whoa, that's really cool and impressive. Like, it is something to see. In the Hoover Dam, you, you go on that bypass bridge and you look down because you're 900 feet in the air. And you're like, oh, the Hoover Dam doesn't look that big. Then you're standing in the Hoover Dam and you're looking <laughs> at the bridge and you're like, that's one hell of a marvel feat of engineering. Dude, that's where we stored Megatron. Come on, that's <laughs> where we stored Megatron. 
God, I haven't seen the movies in forever. But, you know, walking around and like, oh, man, my wife will never let me live this down either. So so Chloe from Alltel, I, I have a lot of respect for her. She's, you know, done a phenomenal job at Alltel. If you ever meet her, super nice in person, very respectful. And so we were walking around and, I don't know, we got talking and she said something about you know, working through some issues or whatever. And I was like, oh, you know, you'll solve it. You're perfect. And and my wife, like a couple hours later, was like, yeah, so did you notice what you said about Chloe? And I was like, yeah, did you notice how red her face turned and how embarrassed she was? <laughs> she's like, you said it just for the reaction, didn't you? I'm like, yes, I did. <laughs> but she's not let me live it down yet. But it was fun, you know, like we had a good time with it. But the food there is so ungodly yeah, expensive. it's ridiculous. Ah, ridiculous. Oh, my. So the first day, uh, my wife and I went to lunch because she, she worked from <laughs> the little area you could sit at because there was nobody there. So she sat there and worked because she worked, you know, from her laptop. And I was like, hey, let's go get some lunch. And we walked up to the Venetian because that's where the one big food court was if you didn't want like a hot dog. A slice of pizza, $7. And I'm not talking like the New York monster slice. Talking like a regular Papa John slice, <laughs> yeah. seven bucks. I'm like, we, oh. we, I was there in February um, and we went to get tacos, just like tacos and chips and salsa and a couple drinks. And they hand us this bill after you know, two people eating tacos, chips, salsa, a couple drinks, $120. I was like, I was like, what? I was like, what? where did this all come from? Like, I don't even understand. It wasn't a super fancy place, but yeah, it was on the strip. So, they, they, yeah. I don't know if they're making up for lost time during COVID or what it was, but crazy. We, they kind of have a trap market because people sit there and, and I'm not right or wrong. I'm sure. not critiquing. It's just, it's, it's kind of a trap market. It's, yeah. it's a, they figure it's a trap market. They're not completely wrong because somebody's going to walk up. Yep. They're hungry. What's the alternative? Okay. I can go somewhere off the strip. Well, either I'm walking or I'm getting an Uber or a cab or whatever. Lift and, and I'm gonna pay however much to get where I need to go to save it's money 10 on bucks food. There, ten bucks back, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, cripes! You might as well just pay whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you want twenty five bucks for this burrito? All right, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. What really shocked me was breakfast the first morning. I got two eggs, hash browns, wheat toast, bacon. Nineteen ninety nine. It's almost opposite of what I remember as a kid. I I just remember as a kid hearing people talk about how they would do how they would do um, weddings in Vegas because they could darn near fly their families out there, put them up in hotels, and eat like royalty for so the buffets were the deal that you could go get out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all on Fremont Street though. That's that's what I forgot right yeah. like we're talking like eating it you're not Island, saving any money down there I, I did fremont street a couple years ago it's it's really not that yeah. much better and you get the the people like as you're walking out of your tell like everybody's asking you for money or handing you something or they want oh, to say i'm not saying it's, it's yeah. the best yeah. i don't know but there was a there's a tony romas that does a, a filet and lobster 14.99 <laughs> i mean at my hotel, that was a hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, there's clearly you should have got one of each and compared them. <laughs> yeah. Now I will say, what was interesting is, is I really like crab legs, right? Like I don't care if it's snow crab, king crab, I don't care if it's freaking crab, it's for me. Um, 
our hotel had a seafood restaurant, and I wanted to go the one night, but they were closed on Mondays. <laughs> Whatever. Just like so barber we shops. Night. So I got the crab legs, and they were like $33. I'm like, what? A pound and a half is no crab legs for $33? Like, that's not a bad price. So there were some things that I'm like, oh, this isn't terrible. But then I went over to – I took – I really – I have a fa- I have like an infatuation with beef wellingtons. Um, I make them a lot. <laughs> We just had a um, a girl I've known when I was the assistant children's pastor was in my children's church. I think I met her, and she was in, like, first grade. And so she's a senior in college, got engaged while we were gone. And so I was like, hey, you and your fiancé need to come over for dinner. So I made beef wellington, mashed potatoes, broccoli. And so when we were there, Gordon Ramsay has a steakhouse in Paris. And I'm like, oh, babe, we got to go. They have beef wellingtons. And she's like, what's it cost? I'm like, I don't care. We got to go. So I went and had my $70 beef wellington, and I got no sides. But I had the best dessert of my life at that restaurant. They they brought you out this plate, and it had what looked like a stick of butter with a butter knife stuck in it. And then there was this chocolate like cake, like about four inches tall, and this metal container. And I'm looking at it going, what the flip <laughs> is this? And the guy pours for somebody else, like, the thing out on the cake. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's like a car- it's a hot caramel sauce, right? And it was delicious. And so I was like, what do you do with the butter? And he's like, that's ice cream. It's like some butter sugar ice cream. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And so I ate it. And I was like, holy crap, this is delicious. So it was like the molten lava cake but separate but it really looked like a stick of butter like it was totally deceiving and it was it was an amazing dinner but it was yeah but i i've never had such a good filet in my entire life like i i sent a picture to carlos menchu and he he cracked me up with his response i mean my steak was medium rare at best (laughs) and he's like i can't believe they even charged you for that they didn't even spend any time (laughs) cooking it (laughs) I was like, what's wrong with you? So, yeah, Vegas was interesting. Well, uh, how about the the next event? I don't know if there's anything in between now and then, but we got Vision coming up in uh, the spring. Vision's and There's a couple events um, this month, but I'm not going to any of them. There's like a Napa show, or maybe that's in January before Vision. I know there's a Napa show. Yeah. But Vision's the next big one that I'm going to. Same here. I think Fanzo's going. He might even have handouts this year. I'm (laughs) thinking about it. What are you going to do now that it's all digital, Fanzo, and and they want your handouts, like, submitted ahead of time? Hopefully it'll be easier to steal materials from other people. (laughs) So just hack their computers. It's it's, it's on an Android tablet. Slap it. I saw that they were selling tablets to attendees if you... Didn't have your own laptop to bring. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a little concerned. I am a book person. I'm very old school. Um, if you ever, ever come to my house, you will laugh because I have four eight-foot-tall bookshelves. They're eight-foot-tall, four-foot-wide. I have at least four of them completely full of books from Bible college. Probably read most of them because you had to read a lot in Bible college. I was just and, gonna bring my kids Amazon Fire tablet, and I'm just That's, like, I like books because I can write in them, and then I can reference it at any time I want. So 
like John Thornton's class ought to be interesting because if you don't take a bajillion notes on the PowerPoint, you may not know what he was talking about on that slide. Just so. record it. <laughs> I've seen people in class doing right. that where Text. they have their iPhone out on record. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. So I'm not, I'm not a big fan of electronic classes. I actually super Saturday. That was one of the big drawbacks for me was, was tablets, but I guess cause I'm old and I just like pen and paper. It gives me the idea, though, that if I end up presenting, have I can burn half the class just talking about downloading games. <laughs> Aren't you presenting? Don't you have a class on like Thursday or something with Shotten? No, know. it's on Friday because sh- you and Shotten have an all-day class on Pico on Friday. I have all tag team stuff, so I do 10%. They do 90 <laughs> Works out pretty well. I know, because uh, Shotten complained he couldn't come sit in my key class. He could. I mean, I don't know if anybody would miss him. <laughs> well, they wouldn't be playing Call of Duty the whole class. All right, guys, this is how you play Call of Duty with your scope. Notice we can graph our latency <laughs> here. <laughs> we both probably should just bail. Here are the cars. Here's the scope. Have fun. <laughs> Here's my number. Well, well, Call me with ba- any problems. Be if right you back. bail, you can take notes in my class and then just teach them in your very short key class. I'll just stop by, grab a tablet, leave, <laughs> copy, paste, <laughs> done. Hey, hey, guys, I made a handout. <laughs> I only need, you know, 10% of your slides. It'll be golden. Yeah, so you guys both have some uh, key material you'll be presenting. Uh, I'm yeah. definitely interested in that because I don't know jack squat about doing that. I don't know anything either. That's why I'm teaching the class so I can learn <laughs> well, it. That's the best way to learn something. That's for sure. <laughs> it's the best way. To... It's just who who has to suffer through those first few times before you actually learn it. That's the question. Well, that's why I'm. That's why. Uh, so Chad is um, helping me with the hands-on part of it, which ought to be entertaining in itself because he just does like key duplications, and he's gotten into keys because of. I'll tell because he Chad was one of the original like RO people. So him and I did RO together. So he got into keys then and he got a key machine just so he could, you know, program some keys because you can't program if you can't cut them. So it, it ought to be kind of fun to go through class. He's going to help with the hands on, but I don't, I don't know. But our classes, while we're both talking about keys, are very, very different fundamentally. I would. Well, I think it's just it's scope. Maybe. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, yours I, is half I guess a day. Yours is full day. Yours is like what um, two hours? I think. Well, actual teaching time is going to be like twenty minutes, but the class that goes the class block goes. I don't know what it is three and a half four hours something. like no, that. No, I thought it was three. I think it's three hours. So. You know, introductions and all that get done. Yeah, I, will, I think we'll have about 20 minutes to actually teach. Um, well, by the time you get but, done listing all your credentials, now that you won, like, some <laughs> super tech of the year award at APEC. I just never got into that. My intro is like, this is my name. and I <laughs> <laughs> just could never, I don't know. I'll never forget. I, don't, I, re- I really don't like listening to myself. That's probably the most of it. Yet you have your own <laughs> podcast. But I don't wear earplugs. I don't wear my ear, uh, you know, 
headphones or nothing, so I can't hear any of it. It works out pretty well. Well, yeah. You, I guess you don't edit it either. <laughs> so, I don't edit it, and then the editors call me up, and they're like, do you even really listen to yourself? And I can say, no, no, I don't. My wife, <laughs> fans was like, my wife asked if I listen before, if I think before I talk. Nope, nope, don't even want to hear myself think. <laughs> Just get it all out there and see what happens. Yeah, I I mean, I think the, the focus of our class is pretty – so I'm co-teaching a class with uh, Andrew Sexton as a shop owner down in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, or somewhere in that vicinity. And uh, he's got also got a towing company as part of his repair shop or, you know, second business, if you will. So he ends up doing a pile of keys, a lot. And then I think he has something going on with um, – I think it's Enterprise, but don't quote me on that where he does a lot for them. Super knowledgeable, does a lot of it. And it's honestly just down and dirty. If you're interested in getting Mm -hmm. into it, this is what you need. You know, we're just going to talk about, this is what you're going to need to get going. And maybe a little bit about pricing, but a lot about just the tools themselves. And, Maybe just touch upon some of the scope of things. Um, we we might mention Lishi, mm-hmm. but we're not going to do anything okay. with it. And we will probably mention EEPROM, and we might give like an example, you know, because I think Andrew does a fair bit of EEPROMing with um, like mainly Chrysler and or um, Mercedes uh, or or BMW, probably even more likely. We might show an example, but it is not going to be in depth. But this is this is what you need to do for you know cutting, programming, NASDAF, and then this is where it could go. And you know, and here's some materials to get you there if you want to, or you know, Pedro um Delatora and Michael Christofferson are gonna be doing their class at Vision, and that's gonna delve much more into board level type either circuit board level repair and eprom so you know here's the resources if as you progress if you see a need for this but it's really going to be down and dirty this is what you need and then uh, hopefully we'll have a couple key cutting machines in there and let people get their hands on the machines and do it and see okay yeah now i know kind of what we want, kind of what we need. We can assess what we already have, kind of have an idea of capability, have an idea of some, maybe some money or resources of where we can get whatever products, you know, the keys themselves, the machines, blah, blah, blah. blah. And I I think that, you know, that would have been something that would have spoke very much to me a couple, you know, two, three years ago. That would have been great. Like, oh, okay. I want to go into this world. Let me see this. And then if I'm blown away, like, wow, wow. And then they mention this, this, and this. Then it would be like, holy crap, I got to go to the Scundrits class because it's going to be that. And then just, what, what would you say? Deep dive maybe? Or it's well, definitely going to be deeper. Because I, I but B, focus. <laughs> <laughs> so sit in the back. Yeah. Maybe so, we'll, I've always said Fanslow has a 20,000-foot view of keys, right? Like, you can see the key world and go, oh, this is what it's going to cost roughly to enter it. 
But then we go from that 20,000 foot view and break down all the levels. So what what really is a key? What really is a lock? What happens if I have a Ford that's over 10 years old and I can't buy a key cut code? Where How do you get the key if it's an all keys lost? What's what's the difference between all keys lost, add a key, you know? <laughs> What what do you mean virgin a module? I don't understand. What's what's this reset button do? You know, there's a lot of terms that we take for granted as mechanics that when you step into the key world, they they have a totally different meaning. And now some of these mistakes will cost you dearly, and I mean dearly. If you have a new Toyota that's on the newer system and you hit that reset button and reset the immobilizer, and you had one working key, you now have zero working keys because that new key or the original key is never getting added back in. So it's a costly mistake that I've seen guys do over and over and over again. And it's just like, you got to know where to look this information up and see things. And for me as a mechanic, it's going not so much Mitchell, ProDemand, all data, but where are you going for key information? How do you get it? How do you read it? What does a key cut mean? You know, how does that actually translate? Um, probably do a couple NASDAQ examples. Um, I talked to Donnie, and he said that they got some cool VINs that we can use, and they don't, like, ping your D1 because it's just, like, an example. Okay. You can type in a VIN and get a key code and show people. Um so we'll probably do some of that stuff. And then we're going to go into how a lock really works, right? Like what's a wafer, what's a spring, what's a retainer, what is this housing everybody talks about, why do Honda ignition switches seem to break all the time, <laughs> what actually breaks Or the them. keys. Yeah, what, why do keys wear out, right? Like we've all seen the, the key in a Chevy that looks like a toothpick <laughs> and you couldn't dare bring it into a prison because it's now a shank. But yet it barely starts the car. Um, so we're going to go into the, some of that stuff. And then, you know, once we get through that, we're going to talk a little in depth about leashes and how they work. Because that's really, really a big thing if you're doing keys is learning how to leashy. And then I'm hoping to get a bunch of locks and we're going to make keys and recode locks and do hands-on with key cutting. And we're going to set up problems and groups and see if people can actually fill a work order out right so my goal is to make the class kind of me expressing how i walked into keys so as a mobile guy my when i first would get a call oh can you come fix this car my security lights on we're going to talk about all the fears and questions and wonders i had and some of the rabbit holes I went down just finding information out because some of the information is cool, some of it's useless, and even if it's useless because it's vision, you're going to learn it anyway. <laughs> I know lots of useless information. Yeah. I have an example coming up in, I don't know, a couple weeks. <laughs> Does it involve a picture in a podcast? <laughs> Well, that that might come to fruition, but a lot of the other stuff I said was <laughs> fairly useless. But yeah, yeah uh, so that's... yeah, we're gonna we're probably just have people cut some keys and then we'll watch Gun in sixty seconds. <laughs> and that'll be good to go. Just be Nicholas Cage; it'll be good. <laughs> well, See, maybe we can get an Apache to go fly around the parking lot. I don't know. 
I'm going to bring my Autel drone and just fly it in class. <laughs> the real Autel. You can catch any sleepers that way. <laughs> you ain't sleeping in my class. Uh-uh. I am so obnoxiously loud when I teach. I have been told so many times. I went to uh, Automotive Key Group and I taught basic electrical. Now, mind you, this is locksmiths, right? That's all they do all day is keys. And their understanding of electrical is the battery stores all the electricity. And when it's dead, we have no electricity. And that's pretty much about it. So we dove through Ohm's law, conventional theory, electron theory. Um, I explained how a battery works, the plates, and how there's six cells in each cell has so many volts in it. Da, 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 da. We went through it on and on and on. And there was a guy, he come up to me after class, and he's like, you know, I think I was pretty hungover when I started your class, and I had a headache. He goes, after you were yelling for 30 <laughs> minutes, I've just decided it became a migraine. <laughs> Another 30 minutes later, he goes, it just went away because I realized you were going to be this loud for the entire four hours. That's good. And you're you're selling your class pretty good there then. <laughs> so I um, I was teaching at Just Cars, oh man, three years ago. It was a, it was a programming class, first time I'd really taught. And I think it was day three of teaching and mind you these are four hour classes and it was two times a day <clears throat> and i walk in my class like i can't stand still so i just go ding 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 matter of fact i had an apple watch at the time i'd just gotten it and somebody goes how many miles you walk and this was the end of four hour class and i looked down and i was like oh it said i walked 3.1 miles the room's 25 <laughs> foot wide <laughs> i did 3.1 miles <laughs> and um so even if I'm not loud enough for you, your head just wobbles back and forth so much you can't <laughs> sleep. And so, I don't know, day three or four, there's a class. They, they had the classes stacked because, you know, it's just the, the cardboard partition in the hotel. So it was every other room. But then they didn't have classes directly across from each other. It was staggered every other room. The hallway is good 16 foot wide. And halfway through my class some guy comes over and says um can you keep it down we're having a hard time hearing our instructors <laughs> and we're across the hall from you and i'll never forget this dude in the back of the class looked at the guy and goes shut up man this is the first class i've heard all week because i've been so hung over it took me at least 15 minutes to regain control of myself <laughs> But I get a text from Eric Ziegler in the middle, like five minutes after that, and he goes, "Hi, your class sounds like it's going pretty well. I've heard about two thirds of it. <laughs> Mine." <laughs> so yeah, it's I'm pretty loud. We don't need a microphone. Um, how do you guys pick classes? Like if you're going to a place like Vision and you got a bunch of things that you want to see, how do you how do you make the decision? I have a lottery Is it, you just system. Just flip a coin. I don't know uh, if I'm going to be able to, I don't know if I have time to go to anything this year, but usually, I mean, I guess primarily the topic itself and then the instructor, okay. certain instructors, I doesn't, I don't care what they're teaching. I'm going to that class and then, um, other stuff. It's just like a specific topic 
speaks to me or something I really want to know or feel I need to know. Okay. That would be the primary governing uh, parameters I have that I use, my guidelines. So I pick classes by titles. That's it? That's it. Um, I don't know any of the instructors, so I don't care. <laughs> Actually, um, let's see. I can tell you I on Thursday, I thought... I didn't even look at the title. It says essential diagnostic steps for drivability and electrical problems. Despite me being mobile, I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a fun class. Why does it sound fun? Because if he can help me shave steps off my steps, then that means I'm more profitable. And so I should take that class. And it's actually taught by Eric Ziegler. So that sounded fun. And it was a four-hour class on Thursday, which I was like, perfect. Because it's in the morning. That means in the afternoon. I can go review my PowerPoint and get ready for my class on Friday. Friday, I can't take anything because I'm stuck teaching. Otherwise, I'd take some scope class with Fanslow because it looked fun. Um, I mean, we really just drag race cars in the shop. I know. That's why it sounds fun. Saturday, the um, ADOS, a comprehensive look at operation setup and calibration um, sounded fun. And then I realized that was another Ziegler class. And even though I do a bunch of ADOS, I find some people have an interesting procedure of pictures and things they do for the CYA mm. <laughs> um, for liability purposes. And I would just enjoy seeing what he does differently compared to what I do. Um, there's a BMW Vanos class that sounds fun because that's by Scott. It's by Scott Mana, but I don't know anything about BMW Vanos because. I avoid them like they're COVID. Um, <laughs> we have uh, diesel emission and aftermarket treatment, which I used to say we're a non-emission state, and this is Florida, so nobody cares. We just delete it. But now the EPA's done crack down on so many tuners in Florida that I actually have to uh, know now. So everywhere, yeah, yeah. everywhere. Um, that's taught by Charles Chip in quotes Comely. I don't, I don't know who that is, um, but it, it sounds fun. Um, there's an electrical diagnostics level two by Mark Canyon. So that sounds interesting. I don't know what level two electrical is, but I would just go just to see. Cause it's one above level one. Yeah. And I would say that 90% of all my electricals are fixed by just putting the fuse in the right hole. So <laughs> I wonder if that counts as level two or not. Um, actually, the class that I would take on uh, Saturday is pulse width modulation and three-phase controls. Um, just because three-phase motors are becoming super prevalent in new cars. I mean, GM's using them in def pumps. I think all fuel pumps are going to go to three-phase here pretty soon. Who's so, doing that? Is that Isaac? No, it's Gary Smith. Oh, okay. I don't know who that is either. I didn't even see Isaac's name on here. I don't think he's teaching at all, actually. Um, I think, isn't he with like... Um... He's with Worldpack. Oh, okay. Maybe it's not who I was thinking of. Okay. Um. Let's see. <clears throat> oh, the essentials to key cutting and programming... That's uh, that's by Andrew Sexton. That's <laughs> Matt's class. Half of it will be good. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but half Andrew does, which will be more like 80%. See, Kevin Levy's got a good title here. I mean, I just like it. Unleash the diagnostic power of your oscilloscope. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw I saw that too. That was eye-catching. Unleash. <laughs> I was like, that's freaking awesome. That was as good as Sean trying to name my class. Uh, is it? Isn't that yeah. like auto setup? That would be unleashing <laughs> power. <laughs> Just hit auto was, setup. Man, we had a good name for my class. Oh, but um, I didn't. Don't don't get locked Unlocking. out from uh, modern key solutions. Oh yeah, don't get locked out from key solutions. <laughs> they they what they didn't like that one. <laughs> no no nobody liked it. My wife was like, "That is the cheesiest <laughs> corny thing I've ever heard." I'm like. Well, don't get locked out from key solutions. I wanted to make our title like absurdly long, <laughs> like a Brandon Steckler bio. It, you kidding. forgot the big book Brandon. of Scundrich's or Scundrich's big book of keys. I, I thought that was my favorite. <laughs> hey, asked me for a title to my class. I'm like, you actually have to name these things. I'm like. My title at Just Cars was J2534. Yep. What are you teaching? Pretty much what the title says. Yep. We were going to do something like Vincent Clortho's Guide to Being a Key Master. (laughs) (laughs) And Sherry shot it down. I don't know why, because I thought it was genius. Well-timed for Afterlife. Shot down. Just how to spend all your ch- shop's profit trying to make a little profit in keys. <laughs> <laughs> the quickest way to make a million dollars in key cutting is to start out with two million. <laughs> That's pretty much how I feel it is yeah. after buying my Abritas. I'm like, oh. And the worst part is, is I started it before Altel, like had the 508 and the 608, and there was no. Really cheap Ninja, because yep. I can't believe yep. what that cost. So, like, it was like, oh, you want to do Mercedes? A Breedis. Or Diag Speed. And Diag yeah. Speed was, like, five grand. And I'm like, but it doesn't do much more than the Abritus, which is four. And then Abritus, I can add on other functions. So, I think I've spent, like, 12 grand on my Abritus. It's almost maxed out, but, oh, it just pains me. Yeah, the only Abrita stuff I have are cables. I didn't. I haven't bought any of it because, knock on wood, everything I've needed to do, I've been able to do or burn the module down <laughs> with what I have. Yeah, you think I'm joking? I'm really quite uh, being very honest about specific cast module, which we've I, talked about before, and was uh, verified by somebody responding to it on. Uh, the Automotive Diagnostic <laughs> Podcast Facebook page. He was very accurate in his assessment. And I think Saturday afternoon, the only class anybody's taken is the um, domestic drivability diagnostics class. Because it's taught by John Thornton. So, I mean, the whole building. Oh, well, we got the, uh, the tech talks, too. I'm pretty. Oh, we're going up against I, I... Thornton? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're going up against Thornton. Hope John likes teaching about five people. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it says various slash moderated by Matt Fanslow. 
That's a really loose term, moderated, but yeah, I'm there. I'm um, I'm excited for that one. They got all the people lined up. This for is that. the class fans. Will- yeah, I think. I, well, yeah, I think I, for sure. Um, Hawk and Light and Hans Jurgensen, nice. who I've been working on Hans to do it for quite a while. Um, and then. Pedro uh, Delatoro oh, is going to awesome. be doing something. Yeah, I'm bringing out okay. heavy hitters. Oh. Yeah, we got to upgrade. Yeah, last time we had you know, bring. Out <laughs> 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 he is really, he is really good though. I enjoyed it. This is the class for fans, though. From electrical theory to real world application. Oh God, <laughs> no. James Wilson. Ah, oh, he's it's, a good guy. It's Wait. sponsored by ATEC Training Incorporated. That I would have to read the description on that though. <laughs> You're uh, like, I'm walking out of tech talks. <laughs> well I took an ATEC class once at a um NACAT, which is a North American College Automotive Teachers Association or something like that. That's and uh they have state they it's meant for of course like technical college or you know trade school and you have um let's we'll just call it a test bench with a laptop connected that is then networked to a you know the teachers the instructors laptop and they have you do like in my case that class they had us build a horn circuit so you have wires and whatnot, and you wire and make this horn circuit, and then verify that it works. And when you do, they trip a um, quiz, if you will. And then the laptop, this, the test bench, bugs itself, and you have to diagnose it. And it isn't like, you know, which of these could be the cause, A, B, C, or D. It's like there's 12 options. So you really have to know what's wrong. And it's pretty cool because, you know, I was banging through a lot of them, getting them right. And then I thought for grins, I'll just get this one wrong on purpose. And it links you back to training to show you why you Uh missed what happened. And then, of course, it flags for the instructor to be able to also come over and help you. Oh, okay. I see what you did here. And. Uh, look back through the history and go, okay, I'm not even sure why you got this wrong. Oh, I got it wrong on purpose. Oh, okay, that would make sense. But they can look back and say, oh, it looks like you're really struggling with grounds. So let's stop this and take you over to this unit, which stresses grounds. It was really cool. It was very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, it was a little, not not to, you know, beg on any anybody or anybody's but it was a little disheartening it's it's NACAT so everybody in that classroom other than me and and there's maybe 20 25 people are instructors and uh they really really struggled and I I suppose you can't assume everybody in the room as an instructor teaches the electrical unit, but now that 
vehicles, almost every system in the car has an electrical component to it. It was a little disheartening how how much they were sure. struggling. And then, you know, now it gets into that discussion, you know, yeah, techs, we got to go to training, train, 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 train. It's all about training. Instructors, I think, have to kind of take that same um, position that, you know, we got to learn this stuff, you know, presenting it to people going into the profession. I've got to, I got to have a handle on this stuff because, yeah, okay, I'm the engines guy, but I can't really teach engines now without discussing electrical stuff i can't teach transmissions without talking about electrical stuff that like what there's not a whole lot you can discuss without an electrical component of some sort and i don't mean like electrical components specifically this part but the part of the system you know is electrical well i mean we're just moving to all ev cars here in the next three years so it's going to be all electrical all the time (laughs) i'm actually kind of curious to see what they do as far as the ASC accreditation stuff there, like if, if that's the case, you know, there's so much EV stuff out there. They almost have to include it some way as the students have to have basic knowledge on this, but yeah, but they're going to get what of a, that's what I'm saying. What are they, what do they take away? Cause we don't have any extra time. We have not enough time as yeah. is. So what do they take away so that we can talk about that stuff? So I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens yeah. the next 10 years there. Yeah. The cars coming off the lion will probably be dominated by hybrid and or EV. I, but the, all the other vehicles are still on the yeah, road. They're yeah, you still have to know how to fix all that soon. other stuff. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. I beg to differ. Let's let's talk about what happens here. Ready? Hey, we're going to do this government-funded, let's kill <laughs> yeah. all old cars and get rid of them rather quickly. Right? Like, Or, or hey, we're going to enact human safety, and Tesla has self-driving, and so do all the, all the yeah. electric cars. Now you can't relicense a gas car or, oh, we're going to put a gas tax at $5 a gallon to incentivize right. you buying an EV. I mean, we could get rid of EVs in a couple of years. Let's not let's not kid ourselves here. Yeah. I just, yeah. In theory. In I, theory. Yeah. I think it'll be, I still think we have decades. There's I just don't. certain things, uh, infrastructure-wise, you know, I would agree we, we've got with you. stuff coming, but um, I mean, here's here's my beef with EV. You live in Minnesota, <laughs> and uh, I think I said it's that perfect. Right. And um, I practiced all day actually. <laughs> I called a buddy of mine who lived in Minnesota, and I was like, "How do you say this?" And he laughed really hard. <laughs> and um, so, when it gets to minus twenty seven degrees, which it'll do for the next two months for you guys uh the ford ford even says like your your maki is just going to absolutely destroy its its mileage because it has to use the battery to generate heat to keep the battery hot enough to not ruin the lithium battery you know so if your car is not in a garage you basically have to leave it plugged in all the Mm -hmm. time um because overnight it'll use 50 percent of the battery up just keeping the car warm (laughs) so what happens at that point, right? So 20,000 people drive to work 
do they all have an EV charger, right? Like that's where I see the problem coming. And I think right now the EV problems that I state are like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, right? Because there's 10 chargers at work and there's 10 geniuses who decided to buy an EV because it's free yeah. right now. But when that number goes from 10 to 100, now what mm-hmm. happens, right? And then what's going to happen at all these jobs? Like my wife's work. There are no EV chargers there. Well, it's kind of out of the way of anything. So, I mean, are you going to put EV chargers in? Who pays for all those EV chargers, right? Like, like one of the things I thought was cool was Altel is making EV chargers, right? Like, they're going to make an EV charger to sell. There's quite a few of those, really, in Apex. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely Autel had one. Nice looking. What's the size? I'm just curious. Ah, massive, because they're talking level okay. 2 and 3 right. chargers. I mean, the level 3 chargers, like... Hooks up to a diesel generator. <laughs> yep. I'm just kidding. That was it does. It actually does. I think it does, like, 450 amps. Boy, don't, don't post that in a Facebook group. You get freaking people triggered about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just... It's just going to fix the generators. <laughs> Us. No. They run off electric too, <laughs> duh. Um, yeah, there's just issues I have. Like my biggest issue for EVs is hurricanes in Florida. Like I went two weeks without power. <laughs> I was well, you have a flood walk by and you walk by your car and get electrocuted. Well, <laughs> did you see the article that uh, Sean Miller posted in Tech Training about the the five oh, minute yeah. charge uh, Purdue? Yeah, from Purdue yep. and Ford. Did you read yep. that? Yep. Oh, this cable can carry 2,400 amps of current. Jesus. Yeah. I'm going to oh. put that on my one of my battery maintainers. <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, here's what they don't talk about, right? And and this is the, the downside to EV. So let's say I just drove my car. I'm trying to make it to Fanslow because Fanslow is teaching this really awesome key class. And so I'm driving my Tesla because we're going to program my Tesla when we get there. And so I just drove 300 miles. The battery's low. I stop at this five-minute charge station. It's going to pump 240, 2,400 amps into my car to charge it in five minutes. Well, current equals heat. That's just fundamentals electrical. That battery's getting super hot. You can't – and it just went 300 miles. It's depleted. It's already hot. What's going to keep this battery from overheating to still charge it in five minutes? Because I've talked to several Tesla owners, and they're like, yeah, you can charge pretty fast at a supercharger uh, when the battery's cool. But if you've been doing lots of hard driving and the battery's hot, it the supercharger limits it because of the battery temperature. Because you'll destroy the battery if the battery gets too hot. So too hot's bad, too cold's bad. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to pump refrigerant through the battery to keep it cool? I mean, there's... Uh, can you imagine that? Oh, why can't we drive my Tesla? Oh, your one, two, three, four YF leaks in your battery. That'll be twelve thousand dollars. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think some of the other things I've heard as far as like answers to the infrastructure thing is obviously just hybrid being more the answer than complete EV or easier um, transfer battery packs. Right. So you go to a place and they pop in a new battery pack. Yes. And it's it's easy to do. Obviously on the cars now that's not, but Maybe on something like a 25 is easy no, to pop no, in. You're wrong. China has a company called Neo, NIO, 
um, it's actually been a fun stock to kind of weekly trade because it goes up, it comes down, it goes up, it comes down, it goes up, it comes down. <laughs> like so crypto. <laughs> I trade it quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. It's worse than crypto. Um, <laughs> and so they have developed a system in their cars in China to where you pull in. You don't even get out of the car. You pull in into a garage. It picks up the whole car. The battery pack pops out the bottom. They pop in a new battery pack that's charged. That battery pack thing goes into the charger, and you drive off. So it's a five-minute battery pack swap. Wow. I can live with an EV in a five-minute battery pack swap. The question is, is how much does that cost once the car's outside of that warranty right. zone where that service is included, yep. right? So if that's a five or $6,000 service. And then the next thing that everybody loves to brag about, oh, well, I'm not paying fuel tax. I'm saving all kinds of money. Well, what do you yeah. think the government's going to do <laughs> once they realize they're not getting money for the roads from fuel tax? Oh, you need to register at Tesla? Uh, that'd be five thousand dollars. Thank you very much. But they're already much. talking about mileage so, tax too. So. Yeah, they'll, they'll get the money. What state was it? Illinois or something that passed a ridiculous fee um, to register your car? I thought it was Illinois. It was it was like twenty five hundred dollars if you have a full EV now or something. Well, what I have to look it up. There was a state. What I didn't realize is because I've always lived in Minnesota. Um, I didn't realize it was different state to state as far as registration goes. So in Minnesota, it depends on the age of your vehicle, right? So I pay, cause I, I drive old beaters. So I pay, I don't know, 50, 50 bucks. Right. I pay 50 bucks, but if you buy a brand new 2021 in Minnesota, you're paying like $600 or something crazy for registration, but you go over to the border to Wisconsin and it's all the same. And I don't know what it is. The yeah, but it's, fee. it's the flat for no matter what you drive. And I had, I had no idea until I talked to somebody from Wisconsin. So, so Florida is weird. It's based off of towing capacity. If it's a truck. So like my, my truck is my so my 2015 Silverado is really expensive to register. Because it can tow over ten thousand pounds, so I get I get charged a lot more, and it's the way it is. Um, but then anything else like cars and stuff like that, it's all done by the weight of the vehicle. So the more your car weighs, the more you pay, and it doesn't matter how old it is. Okay. Yeah, that's what. And there's also something too if it's like if it's a piss poor fuel mileage one like you're driving a ZR1 Corvette you pay a little more just because it's a piss poor fuel sure. mileage thing. But yeah. Do you guys I don't know. I think now commercial vehicles. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I I forgot what well, my van is something stupid. It is just stupid to register every year. Do you guys have emissions testing in Florida? Okay. No. What's yeah, emissions? We don't <laughs> You got an EVAP leak? Let that sucker go. Yeah. It helps the next car not run so lean. You know, there's, there's that fuel vapor in the air. We just feed it to the next car. Yeah. I drive behind this guy to go to work every day, and I get better gas mileage. Just the deal with that. <laughs> That's right. I don't understand why my car says it's running rich all the time. I've taken it to my mechanic ten times. Who are you following to work? Ah, one of these college teachers. He's got some hose <laughs> hanging off his gas tank. <laughs> Fans will look so confused right now. <laughs> so, do you guys do you guys want to get into the uh, ignition coil 
thing. I didn't even read that. Might as I... well. I mean, that's all we have to talk about. It's in what are we? Every podcast we do. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll be... I got to go get another drink. And be... all right. It's not. I don't. It's not that complex. Well, I. It's complex. We had an like hour and a half podcast about electrical theory, and then electrical we refer- theory is complex, but these coil things. <laughs> Yeah. And then we Turns looked out. at a picture on a podcast, <laughs> which I'm still not sure how that's going to work for you. But hey, it's your show. <laughs> Kill it how you want to. Yeah, I, I derailed that one pretty good. <laughs> but but so it's it's this question that I had that I didn't understand and maybe still don't even. Um, maybe I should set it up for everybody listening. If you haven't listened to Matt's show um, I don't know when the episode will be out, but we talked about an ignition coil and I had, I had a question about it. So if you think about an ignition coil, we got the primary side power and ground to it. We switch the ground. We turn the coil on and off. Right. And, and that's not what this is about. The secondary side of the, the coil, the secondary winding, right. We know one side of that goes to a spark plug. That's pretty obvious, right? That's how we get spark to the spark plug. Um, but the other side of the secondary winding was my question. And I'd seen diagrams where the other side of the winding is wired to ground, but then some where it's actually wired to B plus inside the coil. And I didn't understand how that worked. And maybe I still don't. And actually I, yeah, one side of the one side of the secondary is physically connected to the battery feed side of the coil primary. Uh, yeah, coil. so the, the primary and secondary are both connected to the B positive that comes yep. from the fuse. So I went after a few engineer friends, thinking they'd know a guy who know a, who knew a guy who knew a guy. So they're all of their knee jerk reaction was. That is a um, misdrawn or inaccurately drawn okay. circuit. <laughs> That's what my But then they would go to do. their stuff and they would just have a white box with like a picture of a transistor inside it or it'd just be an empty white box. So, you know, what do you, I don't, what do, you do? You just start digging. And turns out I accidentally fell upon a few articles. Uh, specifically upon. from Bosch, and this is known as an economy circuit. And the economy circuit has nothing to do with fuel economy. <laughs> it has everything to do. Yeah, it has everything to do with the. I guess we'd say the potting process or the manufacturing process of the ignition coil. It saves money. Two reasons. One, you know, just that shared circuit Mm -hmm. and then two ignition systems um, of old typically had a big fat capacitor somewhere either you know on the coil itself or you know if we're thinking like distributor type stuff they had a a capacitor somewhere Uh, some other you know coil early early coil unplugs might have had a capacitor somewhere this allows them to do essentially the same thing, but kind of releasing that energy into the entire electrical system. So the entire electrical system acts 
I don't want to say, I don't necessarily want to use the word capacitor, but we'll just say it dissipates through the rest of the electrical system. That's got to be great for modern cars. That is, yeah, that is what, that's what it is. That's what they're doing. Saving money. I'm going to guess that car you saw that on had to be an early 90s car. The saw what on? That that diagram. I think he could pull up pretty new and Fords are the ones that come to mind that yeah, show it that I, way as well. I haven't se- I looked. I couldn't find one before 2005. Okay. So I went through a bunch of cars that night. Yeah, I can't I can't tell you what year that diagram was off of. But yeah, I've se- I've seen it several times. That's all I can say. Yeah, I, and, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but to have the electrical system dissipate the flyback voltage means it can't be very computer complex. Mm. Right? Because you're going to end up with this odd spike everywhere. Well, it wouldn't be the total inductive kick because we're on the feed side, but the, there definitely would be some inductive uh, kick on that side. But it wouldn't oh. be like the typical, you know, primary, you know, couple hundred volts or anything. But it would still be. I mean, one of my buddies said uh, you could see the entire see. inductive kick on there because it's hardwired together. It's just going to depend on. All right. Um, so, so now I want to find one of these cars and measure it. This should be like <laughs> a challenge at Vision. Hey, somebody find <laughs> one of these old turd buckets. Where's Michael? Was it Brock? Bronco, Bronglio, Brock, Broccoli. Bron- I call him Michael Broccoli. <laughs> um, he owns a junkyard in New York. We need to give him a phone call. You know he's probably got some old Ford sitting there at his junkyard. He can start up and scope and answer this question. I got a '99 in my driveway, so maybe that's the the one. Um, '99 what Ford Pinto? It's F one fifty. It's the two valve five four, so it's gonna keep on running. So. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um okay. I I need to I need to dumb this down though because here's here's the thing when I ask the question I think I think I have like a real fundamental misconception of of coil operation cuz I don't even think my question is being understood <laughs> to, to you guys. You guys are like on a whole other level of like flyback voltage and all this <laughs> stuff that I I wasn't even that wasn't even in my head. So I, I thought about this too, after we had the first conversation, I'm like, I need to ask this question better. Like I need to, I need to ask what I'm misunderstanding. Um, okay. And the, the, the reason I got to this question was if you think about WaySpark, which you brought up last time, Scundrich, right? So on our secondary side of a WaySpark system, which I think is really interesting, we have the spark going out of one side of the coil, right? And, and maybe we should start with the beginning, right? Magnetic field moves through. We're really going to have this conversation all over. <laughs> Magnetic field moves through the, the, the winding, induces a high voltage spark into one spark plug, jumps the gap, goes through the block or the cylinder head to the other spark plug connected to that coil and back up through the spark plug to the original coil, right? That's I'm understanding that correctly, right? Makes a circle. It has to be. It does, right? Okay. So 
It's a circle. Circles go forever. They just run <laughs> on. So, so it's a so it's a complete circuit, right? It, and to in my head, anyways, there has to be a reason for that to happen, right? Like it has to have a reason to go back to that original coil. And and uh, Fonzo was talking about an imbalance, right? And that that's what makes sense to me. Like we create an imbalance. That's what creates a high voltage. We circle back to equal that out. And tell me if I'm wrong there, but I'm thinking the same thing with a regular ignition coil. That's not waste spark. So my thought process there is if it's connected to ground, it makes sense. It's getting back to the coil, but if it's connected to positive, how is that circuit? How is that loop completing that? That's where my misunderstood misunderstanding stemmed from. And then if people say, well, it doesn't need to, then I'm like, well, why is it connected? Why is the other side of that secondary winding connected to anything? Like, what's the purpose of it being connected on the other side of the winding? In our case, um, money savings and noise okay. suppression. Or EMI okay. suppression. EMF, EMF. Okay. If you want to say EMF... I like EMF better. It sounds cooler. Das EMF. I mean, I. The, the it's problem still, is, it's, yeah, it's it's just the way electricity works. It has to return back to the source. I agree, definitely. Right? And the, what makes DIS in, different is it's somewhat isolated. The secondary is somewhat isolated from the rest of the electrical system. Right. Well, that's, that's the crazy thing is it finds its way back to the coil through. Well, it kind of, again, it goes back to what I was saying before though. Where does the yeah, yeah, that it's not really <laughs> moving through. It's putting the energy. I mean, that, that energy is going into quote unquote, the block. And now you have a deficit mm-hmm. somewhere. Or depending on what kind of terminology you want to use for, you know, the theory. But it's, we'll just, for I think, for the sake of this yeah. discussion, I think we'll just say it's a deficit. Mm-hmm. And I could probably easily called out on technicalities on saying it that way, easily. That's going to get filled. And since it's being put into the block, it's just going to, you know, we're not saying like this these specific electrons are making their way around back. It's we'll say the charge is probably the more technical way. The charge is making its way back. And since it's being put into the block, it's just going to get taken back out of the block. It's talking about the DIS sure. system. I think, I think that's the way to answer okay. that. But that makes sense for the DIS like that, that clicked in my head once I, kind of read up on that. That's how it works. I didn't know as long as I was a tech, I had, I had absolutely no clue. But again, going back to our one where the secondary winding is tied into the positive, that circuit no longer makes sense to me or the, the completion doesn't it, make sense to me anymore. You're, 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 you're missing the fact that the secondary winding is also connected to ground through the spark plug. It's not on the diagram that way, but it is ground. So, because the block is grounded, okay. 
But the, the, then the circuit doesn't complete oh, and this in my head. Then it just goes to ground. It does because you're you're <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this. This is why the uh, flyback is is negated because it's going back through the battery on the positive side. <laughs> that is, is that circuit. is that what my answer is there? I think so. Does that make sense, Fanslow? Yeah, I mean. Do you get what I'm going with that? I think that's probably the best. I think that's probably the best way to think about it. I mean, I mean, just, I'm trying to explain. Other it than that, yeah, the only other way to, I think, think about it is that you're creating this <clears throat> large electrical potential mm-hmm. difference between the coil secondary side and the uh, ground yeah. of the block. So on DIS, it's not technically grounding through the block or anything to get back to like the battery, because that's where the energy really came from. It's kind of its own isolated thing. It's, uh, maybe maybe one way might the hoofta. Sometimes these off the cuff things can go <laughs> sideways, but maybe one way to think about it is uh, a hybrid car on the high voltage side and the low voltage okay. side. They're kind of two totally different systems. That are, for the most part, isolated. And if Isaac's listening to this, he's probably going to call me. But for the sake of discussion, they're isolated. And that's kind of what DIS, the secondary, is kind of its own thing. Like, we're inducing voltage into it, but then it's you got the polarity, and it's kind of got to do the ring mm-hmm. thing. You know, the, the circle. Okay. Whereas in your case with it connected to the battery. Now the, the battery's involved. That's where the energy is coming mm. from. Directly, like physically. Okay. And then we're charging up that coil and the field collapses, induces the voltage. It's got polarity. That energy is used up, jumping the gap, firing the plug, whatever. And then, you know, the current, if you will, comes back around and back balances through, out through the battery through the battery Equi- equilibrium might be a more technically but, accurate but don't, word don't but look it, at the battery as a as a supply just look at it as a conductor okay. right it's just a wire yeah. because you have essentially you're going to have the flyback voltage which is almost the opposite of in it's going to sound really dumb. The flyback voltage is the negative of the spark output. Therefore, when they meet in the battery, it sums to zero. I mean, it, it sounds really lame to say it that way, but I think that's okay. what you're missing. And that's why they can use it in a car, even with uh, a modern electrical system, because they're going to find each other and kind of neutral out and not go to any place it wants. Gotcha. I, I, it, I know that's not technical. If Fanslow's over here, I'm going to punch Matt in the face. Um, but... I'm just trying to make it stupid simple for people listening. <laughs> well, yeah, and for me. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it comes back to an episode we did together. The the lat- So Sean and I did an episode just about, you know, accuracy versus applicability. Talked more about that uh, on the one we just did with mine uh, and uh, on my show and how, you know, and we still, we talked about the theoretical and, how applicable is it? It's fun to talk about. It's neat to think about, but I got to go fix a car and I'm not going to be applying quantum field right. theory. So 
and and sometimes getting too far into the weeds can confuse you more than help you too if you if you're thinking too hard about it. Oh, I was I was waiting for the question. Well, wait a minute. Flyback voltage is only 200 volts, but it took 2.8 thousand volts to jump my coil. How how do they balance out and become zero? That was the question <laughs> I was waiting for. And I was going to answer that too because the flyback voltage is actually going backwards, right? So it's the reverse coil jump. So you're from the secondary coil to the primary coil. So you're going to have a reduction in voltage, yet it's still going to be the same amount of current. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know why this popped in my head. I remember we we're talking about transistor, or not transistor, sorry. Whoa. Whoa. Diodes, specifically Zener diodes on the secondary side. And we didn't, we didn't really talk about it, We don't. but need they have problem. them don't, there. Don't make Sean worse. I, <laughs> <laughs> He's fine. Look at Think about it. I had a student that called them wiener diodes and that always made me laugh. So, but anyways, but if you've ever scoped, have you ever scoped coil current on an old, older car i mean it doesn't even have to be that old but we'll just say like you know 80s 90s car you do realize that 1990 and 2050 are like the same distance apart right so like <laughs> let's let's be honest but like, you're just you're talking an old pos at this point. but if you look at that you look at the coil mm-hmm. ramps the actual ramps the angle they're they're quite a bit different charging rates were much lower um saturation current levels were much lower you know we a lot of coils we would saturate at four amps or six amps that was a saturated coil fully charged you know we would we would limit it that with you know some kind of a uh circuit you know clamp circuit or whatever you want to call it limiting circuit and nowadays and you know we're charging these things up 11 sure. amps, 12 amps, 10 amps, 9 amps, and we, there's no control type circuit. There's nothing limiting. It's time. When it hits saturation or whatever they want for that point, and saturation is probably quite a bit higher, but burn the coil down. This stuff is happening much faster and much more current, much more energy. So what happens is now we have secondary voltages induced as the field's building, not just collapsing. Mm. So they put that Zener diode in there to prevent spark from occurring, jumping the spark plug gap when the field's building. Okay. He just let more smoke out of <laughs> For those of you who can't see on the uh, podcast. Well, that's that's pretty crazy to think that it could build that much voltage just through creating the magnetic field. Well, I mean, so, it's just we're moving yeah, field, yeah. right? And the, the that inductor, we're moving that field. That's going to create you know, current so, flow. So that diode's on the output side to the plug? Okay. Yep. Well, let's talk about why that's important. And let's use your Ford as an example of why we need to have 12 amps now versus 4. What's special about your Ford that's not so special about, like, a 1990 Ford Pinto when it comes to Spark? My particular Ford? Specifically at idle. Oh, the multi-strike? 
Right. So how much more energy do you think it takes to jump a plug three times versus once? Sure. That's going to be a little bit more. Right. So you need to have enough current to make it jump that three times within what? <laughs> 50 mm-hmm. milliseconds? I mean, so you're going to need 12 amps of input to get those three sparks. Gotcha. Well, I'm always about why do they do something like if I, I don't know, I guess it's how I teach. I always want to know why, why did we change? Why did we do this? The the multi-strike thing was for more is better. Hydrocarbon burner. Pretty sure it was idle emissions. Yeah. I, I think it's Ford and they just were like, Hey, we can do this. BMW did it too. One of the companies does. I th- is it a five strike? Really? Yeah. Dang. I mean, I still think it's funny when we look at when we talk about cars from like you know when Fanslow was a kid and putting a HEI coil on them was like a huge performance <laughs> upgrade. Now it's like, oh, it barely passes the, the test for a coil. <laughs> I'm think, like, like those cars were cars I worked on. But I think cars in my quote unquote day when I was a kid, though that wouldn't have been I mean, I would have been really young if they were still using HEI. Like a seventies Camaro? I wasn't depending on what seventies, I wasn't born yet. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's why in your childhood they were they were plenty <clears throat> of them, right? Like, you know, like uh, I remember like early eighties, with- yeah, even early eighties trucks, cars had HEI. And that's, you know, we still saw, worked on quite a few of them. Maybe, ah, man, did they put them in like early 90s? Maybe very specific. GM didn't get rid of it forever. (laughs) TBI, maybe like, would it be like K engines, five, seven liter K motors? May have still had HEI in 90s, early 90s. Well, Think about when you go to program like a 2000 Chevy truck. It's like, is this a K <laughs> or yeah. is this a Silverado <laughs> or old body style? Or no, the worst style? is a 2007 where you click classic oh, yeah. instead of Silverado. And then your can diagram is completely messed up and you waste a bunch of time. So ask me how I know that happens. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the headlights. You got to learn yeah. to look at the headlights, Sean. <laughs> Does it have the Chinese headlights <laughs> or rounded headlights? I call it the Chinese or the uh, the American. Is it fat and round or is it pointy? <laughs> I'll have to remember that next time I'm working on Silverado. <laughs> next time you see one of them, you're going to be like, oh my God, Matt's right. It looks like a fat white Fanslow's over here going, we have lost all hope in this <laughs> podcast, too. Yeah, do you think Do you think we'll put no. people to sleep with this one, too? <laughs> You're going to be like, wow, this started off great. We were talking about vision depends and, on and they... class. And then... <laughs> why, why do you think I waited? Depends on if they've woke up from mine yet. Why do you think I waited until the second half to do the <laughs> coil thing? <laughs> the second half. I didn't get my lunch break yet. We can't be on the second half. Oh my gosh, the coil thing. You and these coils. I'm going to come to your school and like punch the kid who asked this question. 
Uh, well, he's super smart and working for Tesla right now, so he's probably making more money than all of us. Where they don't even use coils. What? Oh my gosh. Well, I'll, I'll set him this episode because I wasn't able to give him an answer at the time. So, Oh, gosh. Yeah. Can you, can you hook us up with some Tesla Toolbox 2s? I mean, that'd be sweet. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I think I told you guys this before, but he does mobile work, and he drives a Ford Transit to go fix these Teslas. <laughs> so They don't even yeah. give him a Model X. <laughs> what? Well, because he's no. got to go up, he's gotta go up with well, Duluth and stuff where, where they don't have a dealership. The, the battery, the battery range ain't big enough to make <laughs> exactly. a daily route. <laughs> he, he could tow a generator behind the with an with an Autel station <laughs> charging station. Oh my god! So there's a Tesla repair facility that I drive past all the time, and it's full of cars. I mean, just full of Teslas. I'm like, who would ever own one of them? And. Uh, the other day, I saw a Ford Transit with its hood open, and I was like, what's that doing there? And then I realized it said Tesla on the side of it. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a repair vehicle. Um, what's really funny is my neighbor, Caddy Corner to me, bought the Tesla Powerwall, a Tesla car, and we have had three or four, uh, oh, jeez. The thing that converts the power from three-phase to single-phase. Oh, God, I lost the name of it. On your electric pole. Transformer? The Transformers, yeah. I totally blanked on the name. We've had three or four Transformers now put in since he put in it's his... It's circular. Uh, we are talking about the Hoover Dam, and now we're talking about Transformers. <laughs> it is. Right? Um, so we've had three or four Transformers put in, and I finally asked the power company, like, what's the deal with this? Oh, his Tesla wall doesn't like it because... They're not, you know, I guess when they built Transformers, there's not a very strict regulation for it to put out 60 hertz. Like, there's quite a give on that. But the Tesla Powerwall just doesn't like it with his solar panels. Um, he had solar panels from another company, so it freaks it out all the time and goes into, like, crazy mode. So they keep trying to find one that's better and cleaner and blah, 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 blah. It's been pretty funny. But the uh, the Tesla van for probably... I would say every Monday for three weeks was outside his house. And I would just drive by on my big transit and be like, okay, bye. I'm leaving it <laughs> seven miles to the gallon. Enjoy your free gasoline that doesn't move again. And I guess it was to do with the power wall would stop charging his Tesla because the Hertz wasn't right. So it was using the power for the house instead of putting it into the car. So then he had a dead battery because <laughs> it sat all weekend. Yeah. So yeah, it was. It's interesting. He's he's got more money. And he knows to do it apparently to afford a Tesla wall and a Tesla. Well, yeah, I'm fine with my uh, my Transit Connect. That thing's that thing's a beast, man. Two hundred two hundred and thirty thousand on it, and just keeps rocking. So I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep going with that little guy. Twenty five miles a gallon, hauls everything I need. I got a. Got a Transit 3500 3.5 liter non EcoBoost, and I get 
14 miles to the gallon, maybe 15. Yeah. And it's a high top, too, so it's a big sucker. The most impressive thing on the car is they have this wind stabilization program. So if you're going down the road and it detects a big gust of wind, it applies the opposite brake of the wind uh, force. So, so you don't I get that because even in the connect, I mean, it sits pretty high and there is, I mean, it, there's not much to it. So if it's windy, like I'm, I'm going all over the place. It's like a sail driving down the road. Well, that's because you're too busy falling asleep at Fanzo's <laughs> podcast. I mean, let's be honest. I've gotten a lot of thank you notes. <laughs> a lot from, of people. Uh, yeah. From your wife about not being in bed as much because you... <laughs> No, no, that they used to have trouble <laughs> going to sleep. <laughs> no, it's just not an issue. Flip the podcast on, five, ten minutes, out. Well, on that note, do you want to do the magnetism gravity thing? That was the other thing I had written down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, no, not again. <laughs> I was I was curious to hear well, what you had to say about it. It's a little bit of regret. Yeah, I have an article to write for P10 that sounds more <laughs> thrilling than a magnetism yeah. article. Well, yeah, because I had said uh, or mentioned that magnetic force, magnetic fields don't exist. And which, I just you know flies in the face of everything everyone's ever been taught. And you know we call the electromagnetic the electromagnetic field you know the, but it turns out it, it's it doesn't really exist the way we think we do it, it does right it's more of something we uh, it, it's more of um, a behavior than an actual force turns out gravity is not unlike that and gravity's li- along with electromagnetic um, force gravity is listed as one of the four fundamental forces of nature, which they may have found another at the LHC. But there was there's a very strong argument that gravity does not belong on that list because one of the criteria is that that force exists in all inertial reference frames, which is like we mentioned in mine, basically a perspective, a point of view. So in all point of views, this has to exist. Gravity de- technically doesn't fall into that. And, I mean, I suppose we could get into a bit of a debate about how the other forces within, like, the standard model, you can uh, you can kind of assign um, fundamental particles, whereas gravity, we're still looking for gravitons. And way back when, you know, what, 1915 or 1920, Einstein comes out with the general theory of relativity where he describes gravity ends up quite accurately. So accurately that very recently we proved him right again with uh, finding, measuring gravitational waves. And his description of gravity is not so much a force like a fundamental force it doesn't have its own field mm-hmm. if you if you will like so we're talking about the electromagnetic mm-hmm. field is made up of photons and photons are uh, kind of like waves in this field 
and you know electron field would be an electron sure. and a, that's a fundamental particle and it's a wave in the electron field and it just so happens that it can affect the electromagnetic field and there's a whole area of science dedicated to it called QED quantum electrodynamics that really focuses on the electron field and the electromagnetic field and their interactions you get into Feynman diagrams and uh, anyways back to um Einstein, what gravity, what we would describe as gravity is simply we're trying, we're all traveling through space time. So space and time aren't separate things. They are okay. one thing. Watch, watch interstellar. <clears throat> I mean, well, that's not saying it's super scientific. They said, accurate, lo- they said love transcended gravity or something like that. That was where they lost me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's bull, but <laughs> yes. Anyways, uh, you're, you're, we're traveling. We're, everything tries to travel through a straight line through space time, through space, if you will. We'll just try to simplify it. And what happens is mass or energy, lots of it, warps space time. So often, one mental image of this is a bowling ball on a rubber mat or a trampoline. You go out to your trampoline, take your, you know, dad, your, 16 pound bowling ball and you set it in the middle and you can see how it kind of curves. And that's one fairly weak, but effective idea of the warping of space time. So now if you take a ball and roll it on the um, trampoline, it's going to kind of circle. Well, depending on how you throw it Mm -hmm. right or roll it, but eventually it ends up crashing into the ball, the bowling ball in the center. And that's essentially like you, me, Matt, most of the time. What? We, oh, oh, we, we feel, well, our idea of gravity is us running into okay. the Earth. That's what it is. That's what we're feeling. And Matt's shaking his head, but I'm not sure what he's going to respond with <laughs> to contradict that. Do, so. do, you, do you want me to give you the equation so you can calculate gravity? We could go over it. You all can all calculate time. it, but it doesn't explain what it is. Well, but we can. So calcul- it I, it's actually in my physics book. It explains what gravity well, is. It's actually the attraction of two objects to each other. Because which is what I just <laughs> described. Right, but it's it's yeah, it's weird. You're following a straight line through space time, and you run into the Earth. That's what you so, feel. So is as it the gravity. larger the mass, the bigger the distortion, and so it will draw yes. smaller matter into its. And mass, you have to think of as dangerous word here. It's not weight. It's going to be very dangerous, but it's better because when people think of mass, they think of physical size. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. We got to figure in density. Okay. So to kind of take that into account, very dangerously going to say the weight. I know it's way not technically correct, but but if you think of mass as size, well, okay, Jupiter's yeah. massive. The sun is massive. Of- but we think of them physically big. But that doesn't mean they're necessarily heavy. Because you got to think turbochargers, right, for the people listening. Yeah. Density and. Yeah. And we start talking about black holes and it's 
our sun the size of smaller than a pea. Yet the way it warps space-time is such that it almost wraps upon itself, and that's why they say light can't escape a black hole. Well, there's no path out. At least, you know, without going into, like, Hawking radiation, there's no way out. Because warp kind of folds in on itself. So our idea of gravity is really being um, opposed by something else occupying space. Do do you want me to tell you the (laughs) equation? But again, it might be able to describe the amount, but it doesn't describe what it is. Because to have the equation, you have to have a universal gravity. I can't even (laughs) say the word. It's so goofy. It's like gravitationally force which is 2.5 times 10 to the negative 10 newtons, which is big G. So you take big G, times it by mass 1, times it by mass 2, over the distance squared between the two objects. But that means when I see Fanzel at Vision, he's actually attracted to me and he wants to come to me. Isn't that fascinating? Right. But if we remove air resistance and I drop you out of an airplane... Do you feel gravity? I don't, well, no. But it's definitely affecting you. It's not affecting me. It absolutely is, because you're going to hit the, the ground. The, the problem is, is it's actually like the the objects are naturally attracted to each other. So, so you're trying to get to center. Because if you get to the center of the Earth, there'd be almost no force on you because you're there. Right, but you're at... Because your distance would be zero. So you wouldn't have nine point eight, but the, right. But you're still tra- you're still hurtling you're still hurtling through space inside the Earth. This is why so, the, the planets orbit in a certain pattern because the mass of them they they're all attracted to a certain force and they can't get out of that. Right. So the Sun is a mass of X. Earth is a mass of A. And their gravitational force keeps them in that balance because of everything else is pulling at each other. It's really kind of interesting. We did a whole study on this for like nine weeks of my physics class in college. The worst nine weeks of my entire existence. I find it super. Other than I proved to the girl next to me it was super hot, she was attracted (laughs) to me. (laughs) No, I didn't get a date, but my professor gave me bonus points for that on a quiz because he thought it was cool. I I find it super interesting. Yeah, and and so one way to think about magnetism is very much like gravity in that it's more of a consequence than an actual force in of itself. Which we might say is... uh, It's a consequence of... Like the the technical term... Well, gravity would be the consequence of space-time yep. being warped. The conse- magnetism would be the consequence of an electric okay. charge moving. And that and that was how I had heard it or seen it explained was that really what magnetism is is yeah, moving electrical charges effect on other yep. electrical charges. Right. So so I googled 
and you'll like this. Does magnetism exist? This is the answer by the National Geographic Society. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're wrong. Magnetism is caused by the motion of electrical charges. Every substance is made of tiny units called atoms. Dot, dot, dot. In substances such as iron, cobalt, nickel, most of the electrons spin in the same direction. This makes atoms in the substance strongly magnetic, but they are not yet magnets. There you go. Any questions? Yeah, I kind of hate that description because it insinuates that the spin is like the electrons or the atoms or little planets that rotate. You know what? We had to calculate how much pull they had on each other in my physics class. Let me tell you about a thrilling math equation. (laughs) Was calculating the electrical charge that they produce because they're spinning. Yeah, that was freaking thrilling. I'm going to mail you my physics book so you can see all my writing in there. (laughs) I took a boatload of notes in this. I mean, you're talking numbers so small you can't imagine, right? Like It was like times 10 to the negative 300. And you're like, really? Can we just like drop the negative three hundred and just use a whole number? Oh no, you gotta write it. Yeah. I want you to write point and then write three hundred zeros and then put a one and tell me how fun that number is to try to deal with in a math equation. That's what I got a calculator for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was very excited to have one. It's like calibrating your uh Shinib right now it's tanking with crypto <laughs> yeah everything took a dip last night but that's the time uh it's Is dipping it? more tonight that's it. uh bitcoin's down to 59 oh this would be a good reference for later on <laughs> yeah like, see where we're at bitcoin right it now is, uh... at 11 on november 16th <laughs> at 11 29 p.m eastern time bitcoin is 59,658 um my favorite one polygon <laughs> Matic is a dollar fifty-three. Dogecoin is point two three six five. And Shinib, which everybody says is the newest, greatest coin of all time, is totally tanking. It's at four point eight three seven times ten to the <laughs> negative fourth. Oh, sorry, fifth. Ten to the negative fifth, because I went four point. So it's point zero 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 four eight three eight. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun roller coaster. If you got some uh, money that you don't care about, it is uh, at least entertaining to see what happens. Uh, the crypto world. I I have learned to buy when yep. it crashes. Yep. Just wait, and then when it spikes, get rid of it. Go. <laughs> yep. As, as soon as you get like 40% up, just hit sell. Don't care about making the 100%. Well, just hit sell at 40, the, 50%. They have all these random way. ones. And every once in a while, like there's no strategy to it. It's for me anyways. One will just hit. It'll go up like 100%. And I'm just like, get rid of it. Go. See you later. <laughs> and then it'll be back down the next day. What's what's really funny is everybody who's paying taxes on all this that didn't think about it, right? They're like, oh, I put $5,000 yeah. in Shinib and I made $30,000. I'm like, congratulations, you owe 25% or $25,000 in short gain yep. income yep. tax. Hopefully you didn't break the next tax bracket because that'll suck. <laughs> Fanzo's like, nobody cares about crypto. <laughs> he doesn't invest. He's just going to work the rest of his life at... Uh, well, yeah, that's, 
I think I've made it very, very well known that my retirement party will coincide with my funeral. So <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that stage in life, so I'm trying to invest. So far, I have learned I am way better at fixing cars than <laughs> investing. Um, yeah, I'm down 14.29% today. The problem is, is I staked my crypto, so I can't even sell it if I, I want to. I did that I'm with some of my ETH. That was that, it, but... It's like five percent interest. Polygon, Polygonmatic gives me ten, oh, yeah. and then Crypto.com gives me six. So I have a lot staked, and I just let it go. I just keep staking it because every week I earn like five, five point some coins in one, and like six point eight coins in the other. So it's like eh, it's free coins. I just keep staking it until I die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. All right, what else we got to talk about? It's now 11.30, and I have to work on my P10 article. Yeah, I got nothing else in my notes. We we blasted through all of it. What are we doing our next one next week on Fans Load Show? <laughs> like a weekly Tuesday meeting. <coughs> yeah. I think I have Bible an episode study. dropping tomorrow. <laughs> Bible study and podcast. This could be my new life. Yeah. I just bounce between shows. <laughs> I I think uh, tomorrow I try to uh, encourage managers and owners to watch, uh, well, look at the history of Metallica and then watch some kind of monster. (laughs) What? Some kind of monster? Is that a show? Documentary. Documentary where they follow Metallica after Jason Newstead quits the band. Who's Metallica and who's Jason Newstack or whatever? Yeah, we got to end the show. <laughs> is that on Netflix? It was. Yeah. I don't know if it still is. It was, but it's what, what's it called? Like you don't even called? have to like. You don't have to like Metallica no. or anything. But it's what's it called? Some really kind of good. monster. I watched it when they first came out with it, but that was many years ago. Against I, the monster, some kind of monster. Um, I I I would watch that again because I barely remember most of it, but. Super interesting. Well, I mean, somebody quit arguably the biggest band in the world. That's a big deal. Why would you do that? And it wasn't like mental health or physical health. Like you just couldn't do it anymore. It was like, screw you guys. I'm out. (laughs) What? (laughs) And, you know, they, that whole movie is a or documentary, whatever. As you're watching these guys fumble through what, why this happened, get introspective, get a counselor slash therapist involved, and finding out not just how broken the band was, but how broken they were. Yeah, so it's a TV series. Appeared in 2014. It says one season on Netflix. Oh, I didn't know. I thought it was the when I watched it, it was all one. Yeah, it was just a documentary. But maybe they broke it um, up. It, number hours. one is Metallica, some kind of monster, two hours and 21 minutes. That'll put me to sleep. Then number two is The Monster Lives. The That's a follow-up, yep. Yep. The directors of Metallica, some kind of monster, reconnect with the group 10 years later to reflect on the film's legacy and influence on the band. That's only 26 minutes. That might be, like, livable through. Yeah, they've done some pretty crazy stuff. They've, I think they're the only band or music, 
music artist, musical artist that's ever played on all continents. Oh, wow. They purposely played on <laughs> Antarctica so they could be <laughs> the only band to have played on all continents. Well, it was a big deal back in the day. Or they just, had like a full like orchestra, you know. Well, they did yeah, S&M one and then they did it again. But the first one was... No, I don't think anybody expected it to be that good and ended up being mm-hmm. freaking awesome. So, I'm not saying the second one's like so bad, but man, that first one was really good. I never saw it come and I thought, really? Yeah, I was, well, so, see, that had all been out by the time I was really getting into music, but I like listening yeah. to the old stuff, like the Kill Em All album. Like, I actually, I really enjoy some of the tunes off of that one because it's so different from what they're, newer stuff was not that it's not good but it, i don't know i really like that old stuff from the 80s well it's really yeah it's real you know thrash yeah. speed metal where now it's i suppose just more heavy metal hard they, rock they set that you record know, in 2013 and did it in under a year in case you um, care. the original load mm-hmm. was ended up being really kind of alternative uh, compared to, not that it sucked. I mean, there's a lot of songs on there in retrospect. They're like, wow, they're, mm-hmm. they're really good. Oh, yeah, they still play some of them on the but radio. It's definitely not the Black Album. It's definitely not Master. I'm going to go jam some Metallica now. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to look up their top hits. I know who they are. I was just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows who they are. Everybody knows who they are. It's one of those things. You bring them up, and then they're like, oh, they suck. And then you, it's like, well, you, you hate this song? Yeah, well, no, right, that's right. good, but they suck. You hate this song? Well, no, that's pretty good, too. <laughs> so far, I only recognize, like, two of their top hits. This isn't my band. Gotcha. I mean, we could talk about Skillet. I mean, they got some good tunes, but not, like, they have, like, a, a couple, and Metallica has... <laughs> multiple albums yeah or yeah I'm, I think you could probably a dozen easy battery I'm looking through my Metallica songs right now battery is oh, so battery. good that might be oh, my man. favorite song on Injustice I, I live a very sheltered good, life. I don't really know any of these songs, but Enter Sandman. See, now we got to start on a React <laughs> channel for Skundrich. Yeah, yeah. just feed him all these all this music he's never heard of. And I mean, I know Aerosmith, Leonard Skinner, ACDC, but Metallica, nope. You hear it? I was so. <laughs> I'll, I'll get I'll get sued. It's no such one's a gonna good listen. Song. No it's one's gonna such listen two song. hours into this podcast to sue me over Metallica. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think so, huh? They'll probably audio edit the crap out of it. Be like, oh, we heard Metallica for five seconds. <sighs> if you go, if you go on YouTube, they have where they lay over bass tracks. So, the mixing of Injustice for All specifically was pretty weak on the okay. bass. So they go and they re kind of, 
I don't know, whatever you want to call it. They just, they get either the masters or, uh, oh, no, I know what they did. They got the guitar hero Metallica and they used the masters, um, for that. And then they laid the bass tracks over and it's on YouTube. So now you can listen to injustice for all with some bass and it's, I mean, it's noticeable. I'm not saying it's life changing, but it's like, it's definitely either you guys get into guitar hero. Or rock band at all? Oh, oh yeah, oh, I love guitar I hero. Out on that so hard. That was so much fun. Oh, and and what was it like? They had they had a mode above expert. If you beat the entire expert <laughs> game, where the yeah, buttons are scrolling yeah. so fast was, that you can't even. Yeah. It's like the, Dragon Force or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I think of that, and I think of the South Park episode where they're all playing Guitar Hero, and then. And is it Kyle's dad's like, hey, I'll show yeah. you how to play No, the that's guitar. lame, dad. And he's like, no, this is easy. Yeah, right? And he's like, no, playing the guitar is actually easier than playing that stupid game. So I worked at, I worked at Universal and Guitar Hero and Dance Dance Revolution, that game where you, you, know, you had sure. to tap your feet was a big thing. And um, there was a bunch of us that we'd just get together at somebody's house and play Guitar Hero. And... We hired this kid. He was 16. And, and I'm like, hey, man, why don't you come play Guitar Hero with us? It'll be fun. A bunch of us just go after work, some, you know, one random person's house, and we play. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty decent at the game. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Everybody says they're decent. And he goes, oh, you even beat the game on expert mode? Oh, yeah, let's blow through some of these songs you guys can't beat. Dude, he never even looked at the screen. He was just like, <laughs> and I was like, how often do you play this? He's like, oh, it's my favorite game. I've beat the whole thing three or four times. I mean, he never missed, ever. And then uh, my manager was really overweight, had some heart issues, uh, the manager right under me, and he got into Dance Dance Resolu- Revolution as exercise. Yeah, a lot of people did that. So, oh, yeah. Yep. So the arcade manager would trade him $20 worth of tokens for burgers, fries, and a Coke, which cost us nine right, if you walked in and bought it. But he'd just give it to him, and he'd go there for an hour and just dance. He lost 195 pounds that year because he played. He went every day for an hour and 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 did Dance Dance Revolution. He had all the songs memorized. But he was fun to watch because he would twirl <laughs> and flip, and he could play both machines at once on like medium and not miss. And I was like, damn man. But it was. I was never that good. I mean, if you got to like hard on Guitar Hero, I was like, that's it. Fuck this game. <laughs> yeah, that was that was awesome. Yeah, at the same time Halo came out. <laughs> not not to keep forcing the music thing, but I mentioned how, you know, Metallica was for the longest time like that was my favorite band and now they've kind of fell down the ranks a little bit. Not super far. They're probably well, cuz they're like 105 years mm-hmm. old now. There's better yeah, bands. They're still top probably top 5, but most of my favorite bands are metalcore and for whatever reason I was racking my brain the other day like what what's the first metalcore song I've ever heard? Okay. And for the longest time I was just kind of thinking it was like Kill Switch Engage My Last Serenade or something like that. But you know I I'm thinking it might have been Skindred okay. Nobody. That that might have been my first. I seriously time hearing thought you that. just said my last name. 
<laughs> he said, he said Scoundrel is nobody. You know, you know the song I'm talking. Yeah. I do you know the song I'd I'm have talking to hear about it though? To say for sure, <clears throat> it's kind of ra- the singer's kind of got a raggy delivery. Uh, yeah, and then a, then the kind of the growls. I I know the band. I know the band you're talking about. I don't know that I can place the song. I, maybe if I heard it, I I know what you're talking about. I think if you hear the first five notes, you'll be like, oh, I know that one. What what would you define as metal core? Like, what do you... maybe incorrectly, but I think it's you know heavy metal, heavy guitars, and then specifically, and and I mean you know on the heavier side of heavy, and then I would say the vocals are the big difference where you have a mix of clean and growl screams. Okay. So yeah, the mix of screaming. So classic would be like Kill sure, Switch sure. Engage, Slipknot, um, Falling in Reverse, Westfield Massacre. If I get rolling here, I can probably rattle off a boatload of them. Okay. Yes, I've heard. I've heard this song before. Kindred. What year, does it say? What year um, that came out? Not on YouTube. I'd have to Google it. Okay. No, I was just What's- curious. See, I like bands like Guns N' Roses. Oh, they're good, too. Aerosmith. I, I mean, that song I used to love. I, her. I that, appreciate that their contribution. <laughs> uh, 2002 was Skindred Nobody. Yeah, I think I think Slipknot was definitely the first one for me. Because um, it was just in, like, I don't know, early high school bunch of kids are listening to it i mean it could have been i, I what, what about that band then? like wait and bleed corn but early slip yeah. i was into corn when i was early slipknot was more like new metal when i think of slipknot early it was more new metally not that it's so much different than metal core but so I typed in corn. It says related to corn. Metallica, Linkin Park, System sure. of a Down, Limp Biscuit, Iron Maiden. Well, Iron, Iron Maiden. What? That, that is a little different. Slipknot. Than... <laughs> That's what it says, related. I don't, I don't know. I like Linkin Park. I go with Linkin Park. That was Park. the first CD that I ever owned. Not like that I'd listened to, but that was the first CD I owned is Linkin Park Hybrid Theory. That I actually like took my... Not a bad Old way money to start. And went out and purchased, and yeah, I freaking loved it when I was a kid. Well, I suppose wrap her up. We should just do a whole episode yeah. on music. <laughs> yeah, let's do. It. We could talk about what do you listen Christian to in the bays? On a good day, kill right. switch engage. On a bad day, cannibal <laughs> corpse. <laughs> you got to make sure you don't have the people leave me. You don't alone. have the shop doors open with customers walking past when you got that going. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I've never had a customer complain and not this shop. I don't think anyone's ever complained about anything because it's fairly compartmentalized, but one shop I worked at the customer, customers could hear whatever we're listening to. We never got one complaint until one day I brought a comedy album (laughs) and you would think it's like, I'm going to talk about, you know, I don't know, a very blue Eddie Murphy or Man, who are some of the big comedians way back when? Kinnison um, or something like that. 
Sean is yeah. stripping. It is time to end I mean, the podcast. Kinnison's always big, but... Anyways, you know uh. who it was? It was freaking Bill Cosby. <laughs> Be- before everyone knew what he was doing and he was a monster. But He's like the the family. I mean, it's about dad, as clean yeah. a comedy right. as it gets. And this hey, lady flipped he put out. Barbecue. So, so this lady flipped out on us. Like we're listening the, to that. The complaint we got and totally warranted. Um, so Fonzo, you're local, so you know the half ass morning show. And they and they yeah, used sir. to do games where it was like back or front or <laughs> beef yep. whistler for pipe. And, and so they'd basically yep. just have sex noises or, or like clips from pornos yep. going in these games where people would call in and we'd have that on the radio. And that, those are the ones we got complaints from at Firestone. And again, I, I, I get it. You don't want to hear that when you bring your car in for service, but <laughs> The one shop I worked at, the guy next to me was really into rap. Super into rap. And he used to have like all the M&M stuff just shuffled through. And I was like, whatever. I really don't care. I'm just here to fix cars. It worked great until a customer complained one day about the songs you know, yeah. he listened to. I'll never forget the owner's response. Well, if you don't like the songs he listens to, take your car somewhere else. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I realized that that was like, the A-Tech in the shop, and the owner was like, I ain't pissing that guy <laughs> off, telling him no more Eminem. I used to ask him, I'm like, why do you listen to this stuff? Like, you know, talk about dry, killing your wife and whatnot, because, I, I mean, we're talking, like, you know, the early Eminem stuff, and he just hated his wife, and he's like, man, just if you're in this industry long enough, you trunk. realize you just want to drive every car off a bridge with a fifth of vodka after you drank it <laughs> and just let it burn in the river below. I kind of get his point now after being in the industry. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a, that's a perfect place to wrap this one up then. <laughs> Thanks, right. guys, for coming on with me tonight. Thanks for having me again. Okay, that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, thank you to Matt and Matt for joining me once again. I always enjoy being able to sit down and talk with those guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that as well. I want to thank everybody out there for listening. But with that all out of the way, let's all get out there, start fixing the world one car at a time.